Ruski Shutka Barat. Yellow Blue is a Bolshevik Katoshka. Yeah. And because of the miracle last week, I will preach in Russian tonight. <laughs> Two miracles in a row. Istalenia Serza, Glubako Serza, Vostana Lenia. Eta Mayolubimova, Slovaruski, Eta Vostana Lenia. It's like a one word poem. It's the most beautiful word, it's one of the most beautiful words on the earth. Vostana Lenia. It's what everybody wants. Everyone wants to be pure. Everyone wants to be healed. Everyone wants to be restored. Everyone wants to have no fear. Everyone wants to have hope. If there's been damage done to you because of your choices or damage done to you because someone did something to you, God wants to do, he wants to release Vastanovlenia. That's his great desire for you. And, and when we've been hurt, and when the enemy has lied to us, and we have shame, and shame says it was our fault, or that we'll never be forgiven. And when shame says God hates you, or he's disappointed, or you have to work hard and maybe someday he'll forgive you. That's a lie from hell. Because the Lord is looking at his son and his daughter. That's who the Lord's looking at. He's looking at his little girl. He's looking at you like I look at my daughters. And I know how I look at my daughters. I will fight him. there again I don't know what happened to this sound here I thought the battery went out man. but I will fight hell for my daughters and I will lay my life down for my daughters and I will do if a father is to lay his life down if a, if a husband is to lay his life down for his wife do you think maybe he should do a little bit for his daughters it's the same spirit supposed to be the same thing and if an earthly father is to sacrifice and lay his life down and love and bless and care and cherish and protect and suffer for his wife and his daughters it's just a symbol because God because Jesus cared for his girl who was Jesus girl Jesus had a girl the church. How did he care? How, how did he feel about his church? How perfect was she when he started with her? Not so perfect. And what changed her? That he, he took her right where she was. He didn't excuse her sin, but he paid for her sin and he covered her sin and he loved her in the midst of her sin and he loved her and we love him because he first loved us 
So I want you to think about what it would feel like to have no shame. That's what he wants to do tonight. What do you think? Anybody want a little more freedom? Anybody tired of the whispering in your ear that says you have to be a slave the rest of your life? And maybe someday you will make him happy if you work hard enough. How many are tired of that spirit? Tired of that voice? Come on. It's, it's a sick. It's sick. But, you know, the Lord didn't, he didn't come for slaves. I mean, I, who did he come for? He came to raise up sons and daughters. You know, it's like, but shame makes a son or a daughter into a slave in like a millisecond. Just, just immediately. So that's my lighthearted introduction. <laughs> that's like the message right there. That was the message. How many, how many understand? Let me just, I want to talk to you about something. Because how many know that you need revelation? How many know in the church sometimes we have boundaries, right? How many know God put a boundary around sexuality? Because he wanted to take all our fun away and make us miserable, right? That's right. That's right, right? So he puts a boundary around sexuality, right? Because he knows us better than we know ourselves. He loves us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And he doesn't want us to be destroyed. Because he's a loving father. And he doesn't hate male sexuality. He doesn't hate female sexuality. He doesn't hate a man's desire to have a wife someday. He doesn't hate the desire of a daughter to have a special young man be interested in her and be honorable toward her and win her heart. He doesn't hate any of that. It's not criminal activity. But you know, there's timing. There's God's timing. And there's God's blessing. And it's more than just a young man and a young gal saying, wow, we like each other. This is cool. <laughs> it's more than that. How many know a young gal and a young gal, guy and they found each other and say, this is cool. They got married and it was a disaster. Anybody know anybody like that? Raise your hand. Come on. Every, every person in here could raise their hand, right? And what was it? They had love, didn't they? I got love. I had love. It was like the movies, man. The violin was playing. The goosebumps were there. <laughs> and what happened? It was, and some of you talked to that daughter. Some of, some of you, it was one of your friends. And you held her heart in your hand and you wished, you wished you could heal it and mend it with all your heart and all you could do is listen to her pain. Anybody done that with a friend? Come on. Every hand should be up again almost. I mean, I'm just talking about what's happening. I'm not trying to shock you. I'm not trying to be extreme. I'm not trying to shake anybody up. I'm not trying to be sensational. I'm talking about the sexual spirit that's been loosed in our culture. And we need revelation. If you're hungry for God, 
The scripture says it talks about he that weakens the nations. Who's it talking about? The one that weakens. Isn't that a crazy phrase? It's in Revelation. He that weakens the nations. Who is it? It's the devil, isn't it? He weakens the nation. How, how does he weaken the nation? I mean, how in the world does the devil go after? He unplugs the internet. He puts potholes in the roads. He, uh, let's see, he uh, wrecks the drinking water. He uh, uh, shuts down Facebook. Oh, I guess I can't be in a relationship anymore. Facebook is shut down. I wanted to be in. You want me to hold it a little bit? Where do you want me to put this thing? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, okay. We can turn, turn it down. I'm going to go up here, right about, okay. But if you shut Facebook down, then we couldn't be in. A relationship. That would, that would that would weaken the nation right there. That would just shut everything down. That would that would be it. That would be shutting everything down, wouldn't it? <laughs> so how does he weaken a nation? Breaks the heart of people. How does he break the heart of people? First of all, he has to weaken the church because the church makes the nation strong. The church is the answer to every nation on the earth. The church through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the answer. God's people. Jesus in God's people. The manifestation of God in the earth is the answer. We're, we have the answer. The Lord is the answer. We have the answer. We should be growing in the revelation of the answer to all the problems that people face. The brokenness of relationships. And our answer should be both spoken and demonstrated. Our marriages should be the strongest marriages on the earth. The relationships of young people should be the purest and most holy relationships on the earth. The shamelessness in a generation of young people should be the strongest and brightest. The world should be pounding on the door of the church saying, what in the heck is going on there? How, do, how come your marriages are so strong? How come your young men are like men of honor? Why are your daughters filled with the beauty from heaven and not the sexuality of the earth? Why are your children hungry for God who have been raised in the church? Not just the lost who have been rescued from hell. The church is the answer, isn't it? But the church can't be the answer if the families are weak, right? Yeah. And if the families are not, if, how do the families get weak? Because the young man and the young woman who form that family are broken. They're not whole. God loves them. They got saved. They came into the church. They're saved. They're awesome. They're beautiful. God cares about them. They were in the world. They were lost. They were broken. They did stupid things. They committed sin. They committed sexual sin. They, God brought them in. He began to, re, he, re, he began to, he saved them. But maybe they weren't ever healed. If you're not healed from sexual sin, you come into the church, you get saved. You're wonderful. You're beautiful. God is so excited you're here. 
The leaders are excited. I'm excited. We're not picking on anybody. But if we don't talk about sexuality and see you get healed, and you might even say, we want to do it right. We're going to get married. We're going to do it right. I was in the, I was lost. I was crazy. I was, and I got saved. I came into the church now, and I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to get married. I'm going to wait. I'm going to, but if you're never healed, where, where, where do you discover that you're not healed? When you get married. And all of a sudden, yikes, what happened? Does that make sense? Am I making sense? So our responsibility as leaders, this is why I'm here. Pastor Dima and Pastor Alexander and Tatiana and their other leaders, they say every once in a while Jim's going to come here and let a bomb explode <laughs> to destroy the works of darkness and heal a generation. So I'm saying all that because, man, I, this is what I do. I mean, and my favorite thing on the earth is Vasta Nalania. The most horrible thing I see is sorrow on the face of the daughters of the earth. I, I, I am so tired of seeing the men on the faces of the daughters of the earth. Because when you see sorrow in a daughter's face, have you seen it? Have you looked at a daughter's? There's no hope in her. There's the horrible sense that she has been used and discarded and used again and discarded. And she's hoped and given herself to someone who seems to be like the right kind of guy. She's taken a risk. She's maybe crossed some boundaries. And after a while, you, you see the men on her face. It is... For a dad like me, it's the, it's, the, it's the most difficult thing to see. But I also, I get the privilege of seeing God restore those daughters and sons. And young men, tonight I'm talking a lot about daughters. I always say this, I say it everywhere I go. They say, you're talking a lot about daughters. You're just, I mean, a lot about daughters. What about us? And I would just say this. The pathway to authentic manhood. Listen to me very carefully. The pathway to authentic manhood, to true manhood, is a revelation of a daughter's heart. What God did when he made a daughter's heart. And a revelation of the war from hell against a daughter's heart. The scheme of darkness to destroy a daughter's heart. Because I believe with all my heart, men are called to create atmospheres and maintain atmospheres and protect wives and sons and daughters. It doesn't mean women are incapable. I have daughters. They are capable. They're gifted. They're wise. They're intelligent. And I protect them. Can we do both? Our culture says a daughter is, well, I'm kind of like, I need protection, you know, I need, I'm not very capable, you know, and I, I really need some protection. <laughs> or 
I'm the independent woman of the 21st century, and I don't need anyone to help me or say any, you know. I know who I am and how I walk, and I can do anything. So which one is it? It's not either one. It's, it's in the middle. It's I'm a daughter who is capable, gifted, wise, intelligent. I have treasure in me to heal a broken earth. Unique treasure, often designed and fashioned by God in the heart of a woman, in a daughter, to be released to the broken earth. Any of you daughters here have a heart for God to use you to heal people, to restore people, to see the kingdom of God come, to be used, to have destiny? It's what God made you for. He made you for that. You'll, you'll never be satisfied. You know, the lie today is so many. I was going to talk about my book table, but we're just going to forget it. Let me just say this. There's a whole bunch of stuff back there. It's filled with revelation about what I'm talking about right now. And I really encourage you, if you're hungry, just to go back there. It'll also be up on Sunday. But get something for your soul so you can grow. And believe me, you're going to need to hear Revelation more than once. If we're going to beat the sexual spirit that's in the culture that's trying to destroy this nation and the nations of the earth, we're going to have to hear things more than one time. We're going to have to become students. And if we feel like, man, I don't even know where to start. I'm stupid here. Some of the stuff you're saying I've never even thought about in a million years. That's okay. You've got to start somewhere, right? Some of us know lots about the Holy Spirit. We know lots about spiritual gifts. We know lots about this. It's time we get a revelation of the sexual spirit that's been loosed against us that wants to destroy. That thing wants to destroy your destiny. That thing is waiting to destroy your family, your marriage. He wants to take a relationship that's starting out right, maybe even it's based in God, and he wants, to, he, wants to, he wants to trick those young people into becoming sexual and then guilt and shame avalanche on them, and the relationship that maybe was the will of God gets wrecked. Anybody been there? That's the enemy. That's what he wants to do. And the Lord, man, the Lord has so much. The Lord, remember, listen to me. I want to say again. It is not criminal activity to want to have a relationship someday with the right person. Did you hear me? It is not criminal activity. It isn't. Your desire as a young man someday to have a woman to possess her, to be able to have the gift of sexuality with her in marriage is not criminal. But God has a place for that and a time for that. He does not hate male sexuality, but he wants to release grace to a generation of young men so they can rule over their sexuality instead of their sexuality ruling over them. Anybody want that? Where you can live in secrecy and pretend. And be one person at church and another person in your private world. But guess where that's going to get? Guess where it's going to blow up? Remember where I told you where it's going to blow up? 
Because you can do everything in the kingdom of God. You can do everything in the church. You can go on the mission trip. You can do the prayer room. You can do the worship team. You can help with the potluck. You can stop sex trafficking. You can, you can do almost everything and not be healed. And have secrets. And where is it going to show up? It's going to show up at the moment when the most blessing is supposed to be there. You think a daughter who has been lied to by darkness and given herself away and given herself away or made some choices or looked at things or been or someone touched her when she was little and in her spirit, sexuality is ugly to her. The only reason she gets involved in sexuality with anyone is to try to make a relationship. Because she doesn't want a sexual experience. She wants someone to stay with her forever. She wants a relationship. Is how God made a woman. They're primarily relational and secondarily sexual. And you think a daughter who has had negative experiences and been damaged by walking down an aisle is going to instantly be transformed to think this is the most wonderful thing on the earth I wish there was a magic wand wedding day I wish there was I wish there was there is a Holy Spirit there is a Jesus Christ who is filled with the spirit of Austin Elenia I'll tell you that but it comes through the preaching of the message and the ministry of the kingdom of God. It's our responsibility to heal a generation. This isn't hopeless. I mean, I get to see. I mean, I'm, I've been doing this for 26 years. I, I remember these students that were in my class 18 years. They're 38 now. They've got six kids. I get a letter from this lady that says, I remember her. She grew up watching porn. Her mother left home. Her mother abandoned the family. Her dad raised her, and her dad was addicted to porn. So she grew up watching porn, and when she got to high school, she did all those things with the young men in her high school because she thought that was what, what a woman was about. And God saved her after high school. And she went to a discipleship school, and guess who was there? Me. And I preached four days what you're hearing right now for four days. And the last day she laid on the floor and wept through her healing. She got up off the floor and God had made all, all things new. He started, no, he made all things new in her heart and he started on this beautiful process. Much of what had happened to her got broken by the power of the Spirit. Like the ugly memories that tormented her, guess they were gone. The shame was gone. The spirit that said it was your fault, you're ugly, you're this. The spirit that said to her, no Christian man is ever going to want you if he ever finds out what you've done and where you've been. He's going to run so far and so fast from you. That fear got broken. Because God said, there are young men I'm raising up who have a revelation of the blood of Jesus and they're not running around with a checklist of somebody's body history. They're seeing daughters who are worshiping God and they're saying, 
I want to build the kingdom of God with someone like that. They're everywhere. But God will only give them princesses. And those princesses, he's healing and restoring. God's even restoring marriages because some started the wrong way. This isn't a youth group message. This is a kingdom of God message. This kind of message heals marriages. I was in a discipleship school and this beautiful daughter been married for 10 years to this country western Christian singer, <laughs> Travis Vaughn and Jenna, Travis and Jenna Vaughn. And she's in the school. And I'm preaching this message. And they go, Pastor Jim, can we talk to you? I want me to translate that from Southern. <laughs> I just said, Pastor Jim, can we talk to you? I translated that for you. So you go, can we talk to you, Pastor Jim? <laughs> yeah, really. I said, yeehaw, let's go. Come on. I said, can we talk to you, Pastor Jim? And I go, sure, Travis, what do you need? She goes, me and my wife are having some problems. I've been married 10 years. I'm not looking at porn. I'm not, I don't have, there's no other women. It's just us. She doesn't respect my leadership. And the Holy Spirit said, ask him, how did you treat her before you were married? Were you guys, did you violate some boundaries? Did you not protect her because you had sexual selfishness? Were you unable to regulate your emotions or your physical appetite? Did you send her the wrong message? Did you say to her, by being sexual with her before marriage, that the reason I wanted to marry you is because of the sexual experience you're going to give me? When you should have been saying to her, by purity, by not touching her, by honoring her, by laying your life down, by suffering for her, by being in husband training, by practicing, by laying your life down, like Christ loved the church and suffering. Did you say to her that the reason I want to marry you is because of who you are as a person? So that every day during that time she's thinking, I'm loved, I'm blessed, I'm cherished, I'm protected, I'm honored. Jenna shared, I asked Jenna, as soon as I asked her, were you guys pure? Jenna starts weeping. Boom, just right away. I said, well, well tell me. And she goes, well, we just, you know. Now, is this the worst thing on the face of the earth? Is it, is it the unforgivable sin? I'm talking about healing a marriage, okay? You understand? And I'm talking to young people who are going to be married someday. I'm not going to talk to young. I'm talking to young people. Anybody want to be married? Anyone want to be a husband? Anybody want to be a wife? Anybody, you know, right? Nobody wants to. Okay. Is this the single club? I didn't. This is. A, I didn't know I was preaching at a place. It's too loud again. Sorry, it's my fault. I didn't know I was preaching at a place where everyone was pledged to celibacy. Wow. 
Nobody wants to be married. There's only one guy. There's only one guy that wants to be married. Okay. I guess let's just preach on the Holy Spirit then. I'm just kidding. So Jenna, Jenna's there. She's weeping. Travis is looking down. I pray for him a little bit. I just say, why don't you uh, take some time? I want to talk to Travis. So I got with Travis, and I just said, hey, Travis, I, and I just tried to help him understand. I said, listen, I don't hate you, okay? Listen, you're not a monster. You're not some evil person. You're, but you know what? You need to understand something. What you told her by not protecting her, you operated in sexual selfishness. You were unwilling to suffer, unwilling to draw on the grace of God, to declare to her verbally and non-verbally the reason I want to marry you is because of who you are as a person so she can safely trust in that I go there's when you did that see there's she 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 doesn't she lost some trust there there was some hurt there and it's been growing for 10 years You know, if you if you took her to dinner and bought some flowers and had a special evening where you looked her in the face and said, I wanna I wanna ask forgiveness for not protecting you and not honoring you and not caring about you. If you pull the thorn out of the paw, so to speak. Every time she walked on that, it was it would remind her. So he did that. He got a dinner, he candlelight dinner and flowers. And he looked her right in the face and said, I don't know how to I don't know how I can say this. I wish I could take it all back. I wish I could say to you, I wish I could have I I I realize that I didn't protect you. I was not willing to suffer and wait. If someone gets engaged, you know, maybe there's, you get engaged, and how long do you have to wait? A year? You have to wait three months? You have to wait six months? You have to wait nine months? Like, what's, what happened to the men that were willing? What happened to manhood that was willing to wait, willing to suffer, willing to... Where are, the, where are the men? You know what we're hearing about now in the church? Worship leaders living together. Worship leaders of churches in America. I want to look at the young man and say, you can't, because they're going to get married. That's why they're living. They're going to get married. It's already like a done deal. I go, what are you saying to her by doing this? Do you realize what you're saying to her every day? What are you going to do when your wife is sick after you're married? 
What are you going to do if the children have a hard day? What are you going to do if her mother dies? Go look at porn? Because you never learned to walk in self-control? Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? I don't want you to hear condemnation. I want you to hear an invitation. I want you to hear an invitation. Because God has a grace for men. There's a spirit of Joseph that God wants to release over a generation. That story of Joseph is in the Bible for a reason. The statement he made, how can I sin against God and do this great evil, is in the Bible for a reason. It's the spirit of Joseph, and I believe with all my heart, God is trying to release that over men, married men, single men, grandpas, fathers, every generation, the spirit of Joseph for the church. And if anybody, believe me, if anyone could have excused himself with a little bit of sexual comfort because he had a hard life, Joseph would be at the top of the list. He lost everything. Betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, gone to a foreign nation, strange gods, strange culture, accused, falsely accused of sexual assault, imprisoned, forgotten. That was afterwards, but imprisoned in the stewardship of this Mr. Potiphar. I deserve a little comfort through sexual immorality. My life has really been hard. You don't know how hard it's been for me. I'm going to just live for a feeling. That's just what I'm going to do. I'm just going to be living for a feeling. That's just what's going to get me through each day. You're going to live for a feeling when God has called us to live for him. That feeling is part of the blessing of sexuality, and God allows for it within a context called marriage. But if you ever let a secondary blessing worm its way into the primary part of your life, it becomes an idol and it will destroy your life. How many 50-year-old men do we know driving sports cars, leaving a wake of relationships behind them, women they use, who are still boys and have never learned how to rule over their sexuality. Is this who we want to become? How do we get out of that? You know, there's a promise from God that says this. If we bring the light, if we bring the darkness into the light, it says the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome the light. The light shined in the darkness, and the darkness broke the power. The light broke the power of the darkness. The darkness could not overcome the light. Anything you bring into the light from the darkness, any secret, any shame, any past behavior, anything you hate about yourself, any secret, anything from 20 years ago, anything from yesterday, anything you bring into the light, God promises that the light will break the power of the darkness. Absolutely, it's a promise. The light shined in the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome the light. The darkness could not overcome the light. The greatest decision anyone ever makes is to make a choice to say, I'm going to bring some of my darkness into the light. 
It's the scariest thing I've ever done. It's the most difficult thing I've ever done. But it's the first step to the freedom that I really want in my life. I don't want to live in hiddenness anymore. I don't want to live in hiddenness. And if I come into the light, it's the first step to victory. There's so much victory, God. God wants to release so much victory on his people. You know, we've all failed sexually. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? We have. We've all failed. I mean, we have all failed. Jesus is the only person on the face of the earth that never failed. Everyone else failed. And probably failed sexually in some way, either in fantasy or desire or lust or a real relationship or what they looked at. And we, and we measure our success by how far apart our failures are. That's, that's how we measure victory. Isn't that crazy? Like, so, look, at we're all in this together. It's not. And what about that crazy scripture that says a righteous man falls seven times? A righteous man falls seven times? What's that about? Is that an invitation to failure? Kind of like, well, we're all going to fall. I'm on number five. What number are you on? <laughs> I'm going to just fall. How about, are you going to fall? How are you doing? Well, I'm on six. Well, I'm on three. I got seven more. I got four more to go. Is that what that's about? Is that an invitation to failure? Is that what it is? Well, what is that scripture? That's a crazy scripture. And a righteous man falls seven times. What is that about? A righteous man falls seven times. That means there's a scripture where the Lord says if we walk in the light as he is in the light. It's talking about walking in the light. It's talking about not practicing sin. It's talking about when we do fail, we get up and say, Lord, I hate what I've done and I'm never doing this again. And I'm bringing it into the light. You have to bring it into the light a thousand times. I'm going to bring it into the light every time. And every time I'm going to say, I hate what I've done. And I'm never doing it again. Come on. Who said that? Who, who said that before? Anybody said that? Anybody confess? Anybody say something like that? Come on. Raise your hand. Engage with me. Come on. It's us, isn't it? I hate what I've done. I'm never going to do it again. And a week later, you're brand new. You're young. Or you're older. You should know, but you still think. Or two years later. Or six months. A righteous man falls seven times is a value statement that Jesus Christ is worth getting up for no matter what. Because we're looking at him and not our sin. I don't know how many times I had to go to some older guy and say, I looked at these pictures again, or I did this. You think I got here like I was born in a pew and now I'm preaching on sexuality, right? Nobody my age gets where, where we are without talking to men and confessing our sin and feeling embarrassed about it and going through the... Guess what you get to? It's like God said, I've got to put something in men. There's got to be some way I can work humility into men. <laughs> so he gave us this sexuality issue where there's going to be a promise. If we're really going to walk in victory and get the victory over sexuality, we're going to get the bonus 
we're going to get the added benefit, the fringe benefit of humility. Because you won't beat it without coming into the light and humbling yourself to a father, a brother, a mentor, a youth pastor, and over and over again, knocking on their door saying, I failed again. I'm condemned. Pray for me. Or I already repented. I'm doing okay. I just need to let you know. And it's a little farther apart, a little farther apart, a little farther, because everything in you wants to have God. Come on. It's the spirit of Joseph. Spirit of Joseph. So Travis met with him, met with his wife. Flowers, candlelight, looked right at her. Said, honey, I, if I could take it back, I'd take it back. Because I never, I never wanted to say that to you. I love who you are as a person. Of course I love our physical intimacy, but I love being friends with you. And I love sharing the Lord with you. And I failed. I didn't let that become the foundation of our relationship. Will you forgive me for my sexual selfishness? I didn't protect you. And she cried and said yes. And the Holy Spirit broke something in their relationship just like that. Boom. He said, Jim, that crazy dinner and the stuff you told me, and I was mad at you. Man, I was mad at you. But I did it. It saved our marriage. God does not hate male sexuality. Listen to me, guys. Come on. God does not hate male sexuality, but he's releasing grace. So we can rule over our sexuality instead of our sexuality ruling over us. Well, how does he do that? He, he does it by revelation. Some of grace comes by revelation, that we don't think the same ways about, we, the, about the things that cause us confusion or shame or guilt. We hear truth, it says we will know the truth, and the truth shall make us free. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you don't think the same way about the things that have caused you pain or shame, or confusion. The spirit of revelation is visiting you. And God wants to marry the spirit of revelation so you are thinking differently about the things that have caused you shame or pain or confusion or failure and marry it to the presence of the Lord that wants to heal. How many of you have come to the altar and said, Lord, uh, here's my pain. Here's my Maybe even repented for sexual sin. You came and said, here I am, Lord, or this relationship. Here I am coming. And, and three months later, you were coming back to the altar for the very same thing. Anybody ever done that? Right? So did God not heal you the first time? Did God, did God, well, no, God pulled the pain off you the first time. 
Is God faithful? If you come to him and say, Lord, here's my pain, take my pain, does he pull the pain off your life? Yeah. Is he faithful to do that? How many has he done that with? Yeah. You give him your pain, confusing something, right? And what does he do? He, he pulls the pain right off you. But if you still think the same way about that stuff, the pain machine in your brain downloads a new batch of pain on the very same stuff. Kind of like, here we go again. And God wants to take his truth and use, he wants to smash the pain machine with his truth, his revelation. See, one of the lies that messes us up with our relationships is a lie that God, that the end of the culture has said that women are just like men sexually, relationally, emotionally. Like, has anybody been married for more than five seconds? <laughs> like, where is this coming from? I mean, is this a joke or what? I mean, the culture kind of shouts it out. Yep, yeah, we're just the same. You know, girls don't need commitment. They can be as unattached as the guys. And, and you, they can give themselves away and they give themselves to another person. And if he breaks up, they laugh. They go, I love it when guys break up with me, man. I haven't seen that. I, I, I haven't witnessed that. Yeah. I, I haven't. But the culture says that's who they are. Mm -hmm. And daughter, if you feel bad about giving yourself away sexually to someone, something's wrong with you because everybody else is doing it and everybody is cool with it. Everybody is really cool with it. And if you're a person who's not cool with it, something must be terribly wrong with you. That's the lie of the culture. How many have heard that lie? Come on. That thing is the most foul, demonic, spirited lie. Because yeah. it pushes daughters into relationship and choices and things. And it tells young men that women think this way and this is who they are. Because some girl is calling me up saying, my parents aren't home, come on over to my house. Mm -hmm. Parents aren't home. Parents aren't home. Come on over to my house. Well, she asked. I mean, she... Suppose you had a revelation of a daughter's heart and you knew from God that no daughter on the face of the earth would ever offer herself to a man without commitment unless she had been beat up by darkness and lied to. And then she was doing it to try to get a relationship. And she didn't know how to do it. And she said, I have to use the power of my sexuality to try to make a relationship work instead of my personality. Suppose you knew that as a man and that daughter called you. You'd, you'd, you know what you'd say to her? You'd say, no, I'm not coming over because I care about you and I care about my destiny. I care about my, the kingdom of God and I care about my future and I care about my marriage. And I'm going to lay my life down for you. I'm going to suffer even though I would love to have irresponsible sexuality, I understand something as a man that you have been beat up by darkness. The Lord loves you, and I'm saying no. Suppose you knew that. Come on, think about it. You had a revelation. And every time pornography came knocking on your door, or some daughter came knocking on your door, or that thought came flittering through your head,
a picture of a little girl standing on her tiptoes, waiting for her daddy to say, you're my princess, would come into your mind. Only that that girl never had her daddy come. So she had an empty heart. And she got older and her body changed and she went into the culture with an empty heart and the power of her sexuality. And her life began to be destroyed, one relationship after another. And you knew that. That's why she's calling up. She's calling up because one time she let the man be in charge and after a while, There was so much hurt, she said, I'm never going to let a man be in charge again. I'm in control. I'm running the show here. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm opening the door and shutting the door. I'm calling. I'm not calling. I'm in control. Look at, I'm protecting myself. Does she get protected? All the same pain. Everything the same. All the same pain. Let me read these, uh, let me read what we're declaring. The Holy Spirit's telling me to read Joseph. I might not comment too much. I'm just going to read it so you have the context of the story and I want you to just listen. Let the Spirit of the Lord work in you through the Word. And then we're going to read through what I call these original design declarations that we're speaking. We're speaking to young women and to young men and we're declaring this is God's declaration over you of who you are. I love it. I love it. It's saying, man, this is who you are. It's like a prophetic declaration to who you are. And it calls us, it calls young men up to be who they are. And it, and it, and it describes who daughters are. It gives daughters permission to be who they are in their hearts. It redefines them. It, redef it, it reclaims the original design of a daughter's heart. Because the culture says, daughter, you need to be sexual. And God's saying, no, I made you to be a person, not an object. And every daughter wants to be that. Every daughter longs. If the, the longing of every daughter's heart is to be loved for who she is as a person, not what she can give some man sexually. If she is loved as a person from a man who is spiritual, there's a spiritual relationship, there's a spiritual oneness, and there's a friendship, and he waits and suffers and honors her, and they marry. That whole time of that relationship and that protection, believe me, she will want to give herself to that man then. She's been protected. She's safe. She responds to him out of that beauty, beautiful safety. Just like we with the Lord, right? What did the Lord do with us? He pursued us. He entered our world. He kept showing us. He kept never asking something. Just he kept loving us, kept loving us, kept coming to us. And finally we respond to him. That's why the enemy is trying to destroy marriage. Because marriage of that picture of a husband pursuing a wife is the picture of Jesus pursuing his church. He says, I'm going to destroy that image off the earth. I want to destroy marriage off the earth. I want to break its power. Because it's so powerful. 
the power of a young man laying his life down and willing to suffer for a daughter. And a daughter receiving that sense that this man will lay his life down for me. He's not pressuring me. He's not forcing me. He's, he's gentle. He's patient. He's communicating. He's honoring me. He's honoring my parents. He's, he's doing, he is, he is a man. He's a man. He's not after his own desires. Wow. God's raising men up like that in every church. And I know by the Spirit there are men like that in this place. Matter of fact, you wouldn't be here on Friday night if there wasn't something in your heart that wanted God to do something in your life. Come on. How many are here for that? Come on. How many, how many went to Mexico? Where are the Mexican people? Wave at me. Come on. Wave, wave up. And way over your head, Mexico people. Come on. Spirit of Joseph. Who wants it? Who wants the Spirit of Joseph? Come on. It's yours if you want it. God, I want it. God, say, I want it. I want it. I want, I want the Spirit of Joseph. I want Jesus Christ manifested. It's that Spirit of Joseph. I want to have it. Listen to, just listen to this story. It will, it will shock you. Okay, Joseph has been taken down to Pharaoh. The Lord was with Joseph. He became a successful man. This is Genesis 39. I really encourage you to read it too, over and over. Read it and meditate on it. It is so powerful. Listen to this. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, Mr. Potiphar. His master saw the Lord was with Joseph and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant. He made him overseer over his house and all that he owned he put in charge. Verse 6, he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge, and with him he did not concern himself with anything except the food which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. That means he had a six-pack. And he had a tight t-shirt with biceps. Anybody have a tight t-shirt with biceps here? That's real manhood, you know. Sorry. Getting kind of old, you know. I'm trying to hold on to my. It came about after these events. Listen to this. So Joseph is handsome in form and appearance, and it came about after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph, and she said, "Lively me." But he refused and said to his master's wife, "Behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house, and he has put me." He has put all that he owns in my charge and there is no one greater in this house than I and he has withheld nothing from me except you. Because you are his wife. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he did not listen to her to lie beside her or be with her. Now it happened one day he went into the house to work and none of the men of the household 
was there inside and she caught him by his garment saying lie with me you want me to translate that for you And he left his garment. This is in the Bible. Why is this in the Bible? Lord, you really messed up. I mean, why is this in the Bible? Why is David's sin with Bathsheba in the Bible? Why is the rape of Tamar in the Bible? Why is Samson chasing Delilah in the Bible? Because people struggle with sexuality and God knew that if the the leaders of the kingdom of God would begin to preach these messages. People would hear and hear. They would hear that people had the same experiences that they are in the middle of in their lostness. And it would give them hope. And we, we see restoration and repentance and people would respond. He expected these things to be preached. Inviting people for healing and restoration. Healing and restoration. Because all of a sudden you're sitting there thinking, I'm not the only one. You hear about David, you think, I'm not the only one. You hear about Mrs. Potiphar, you think, I'm not the only one. You hear about Samson, I'm not the only one. You hear about Tamar being assaulted. Tamar being taken advantage of. There's a lot of young women being taken advantage of today in our culture. It's horrible as little girls, as older girls in relationship, as little girls and not in any relationship. It's happening in our culture. It's ugly. I hate it. There are things, it's not in this church, but there are a lot of churches, there are things that are not preached about in churches. There's like a, there's a secret list Pastor Alexander was joking and he said, we have a rule in our church, you preach anything you want. Whoa. Is that true? There's a lot of other churches, there's, a, there's another rule. You never preach these things, abortion, incest, sexual assault, molestation, same-sex relationships, pornography, sexual immorality leading a hidden life right I mean, never preached never mentioned there's another list in the church there's another list in the church it's the things people never get healed from You are the God of restoration. I was in Canada on Mother's Day. Butterflies, flowers, corsages, grandma standing up going, Grandma! Clapping, you know, Grandma! 
What do you want me to preach? <laughs> I just can't even believe this happened to me. He said, I want you to preach on the rape of Tamar. <laughs> on Mother's Day? On Mother's Day? This is where this is where Amnon and Jonadab team up to take the purity away from Tamar. And he and it's a big setup. He pretends to be sick. He's lying to her, his father and, and her, and it's all to, to take advantage of her. I'm thinking, this is sick. This is the sickest passage you could preach on Mother's Day. This is on Mother's Day. I go, Lord, this is a never come back to Canada <laughs> message. Do you understand? I'm never going to be here again. He goes, who is the boss? Excuse me. I go, well, Lord, I know you told me to preach this, but this is like Mother's Day. Don't you, is there any, can we, can we do something nice? I've never been back there. There was a little girl in the second row. I'll never forget. She was sitting right where you are sitting. 17-year-old little girl had been raped by two men three years before that. She'd been in years of counseling, afraid of men, never wanting to marry. Memories that tormented her. Well, Pastor Jim, preaching that message would just, it would make it worse. It would... No, there's something about preaching that you preach and there's a safety and you create that and God somehow uses even the talking about the experience. Something happens where it gives her permission to begin to release something to God. It's like God knew. Her mom and dad were sitting behind her. They're, re they're reaching forward, touching her. Her little brother is sitting next to her, holding her hand. And I can feel in his spirit. He, he, he's, he's holding her hand, saying, I wish I could have been there. I would have protected you. I could just feel that heart of a young man to protect his sister. I could just feel it. It was so strong. The whole family comes up afterwards. We pray and minister to her for about 20 minutes. She's weeping. She's forgiving the man. And she's. And at the end of the time, this is so weird. I looked at her, she's smiling. She has this big, huge smile on her face. Like, she goes, It's gone. I go, What's gone? She goes, It's gone. The shame is gone. The fear is gone. The lies that it was my fault, they're gone. The miracle got to happen because we spoke and the light shined in the darkness and the darkness could not overcome the light. Would it be cool to see on Sunday mornings at our churches people be, being healed from all the things that we never talk about? How about even on a Friday night at youth? You think God wants to do some healing tonight? I wonder if he wants to heal tonight. I wonder if he wants to bring some shame. 
I wonder if he wants to break some failure with some young men who feel like they're just in this cycle of failure. I wonder if there's some daughters who have made some choices. They feel like God hates them. You know, God wants to break that thing. He wants to break the power of that. He wants to smash that thing. He wants to assault that thing. Let me just finish this Joseph story and then we're going to we're going to just take a few minutes to see release the spirit of Joseph and release the healing spirit. She caught him by his garment saying lie with me and he left his garments in her hand and fled and he went outside. When she saw that he had left his garments in her hand and fled outside, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought in a Hebrew to us to make sport of us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I screamed. When he heard that I raised my voice and screamed, he left his garment beside me, and he fled and went outside. So she left his garment beside her until her husband, I'll say it that way, her husband came home. Then she spoke to her husband these words, The Hebrew slave whom you brought to us came in to make sport of me. And I raised my voice and screamed, and he, he left his garment beside me and fled outside. Now when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spoke to him, saying, This is what your slave did to me, his anger burned. So Joseph's master took him and put him into jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the jail. I bet you Joseph's dad talked to him about a daughter's heart. You think Jacob talked to Joseph? You think a Hebrew dad talked to his sons about women? You think he, what does Proverbs talk about? The strange woman? Proverbs 1 through 9, my son, my son, my son. If you take these sayings, put them around your neck, it will keep you from the strange woman. I wonder if he talked to Joseph similarly and said, there's some different women on the earth, Joseph. They're different than your mother and your sisters. God doesn't hate them, but they've been broken. They've been lied to. They're wounded. And they've never related to a man any other way except you're using the power of their sexuality. And they're going to think you're handsome and wonderful because you're not selfish like all the other men they've known. And they're going to target you. And you better be careful. And you need to understand that they're broken. And the only reason they're offering themselves to you is because they've never had their heart filled by their father. Remember that, Joseph. Remember that every day of your life. It's true manhood. even if they offer themselves to you, Joseph. You need to see a little girl standing, waiting. You need to understand someone's lied to her because no daughter on the face of the earth was designed to give herself to a man without commitment called marriage. 
I think he remembered it. I think it, I think it was in his spirit. What do you think? You think it was there? Let me read those decline. Let me this, you know put those original design. It's just we'll just read them real quick. These are these are the things I think. This is what we say to daughters, and it comes out of this. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. You were designed by God for safety, security, permanence, and commitment. This is every daughter on the face of the earth. This is who you are and how God made you. You were designed by God to be loved for who you are as a person, not what you can give a man sexually. Of course you'll do that with your husband because he's won your heart and demonstrated something to you. Of course it's a blessing that we're talking about outside of God's covenant. You are primarily relational. You are relational and secondarily sexual through the covenant of marriage. Marriage allows you to safely open up that personal and sacred part of your life to your husband because he's made a public commitment to you forever. That's when you're safe. Any other time, there's no safety. There's doubt, fear, shame, regret, maybe disease, infection, conception, embarrassment, potential for rejection, abandonment, betrayal, being cast off like a piece of garbage for God. Are you getting it, guys? This is a revelation of a daughter's heart. This is who your sisters are. Every single daughter, every single sister in this ministry, every single one in this church. This is who they are. This is who God made them to be. These are my six daughters. I've got eight kids. I've got six daughters. Show the big picture of my family. I've got eight daughters. I've, I've got six daughters. Those are my girls. They live this. This is who they are. That's Luke's new wife. Big old Luke. We got some color. We got some cool stuff in our family now. <laughs> she's, she's East Indian and Venezuelan Hispanic. Come on. She waited till she was 29 years old. And she was saying, Lord, I'm going to wait for your perfect person. And I'm going to serve you until then. I'm not taking any shortcuts. And I'm not going to give my heart away to someone out of your timing. And Luke came along. Because Luke, when God was 25, when Luke was 25, God said to Luke, Luke, you need to learn some more about a daughter's heart. I want you to fast from women until you're 27. God, that's like, like, if I do that, like, I'll admit, I mean, there'll be, like, this is the time I should be looking. I'm 25. I'm getting old. He goes, I want you to fast until you're 27. He goes, okay, Lord, you're the boss. 
He turned 27 and he went. There was Lauren waiting. He noticed Lauren. She was at the church. She was on staff. He was drumming for the church. Oh, I wonder how this happens. It's called obedience. <laughs> obedience! <laughs> oh, excuse me. Obedience. <laughs> okay, let's look at the guys. Hey, guys, you'll love this. This is the spirit of Joseph. Show the other uh, spirit of Joseph. And look at, here's the suffering. Husband, love your wives. Look at, isn't it crazy? This is what God said to men. I mean, this isn't like the option. This isn't like, well, if you're really committed, you'll, lay a, you'll live a life of sacrifice. If you're really committed, you'll just lay your life down. If you're really committed, you'll kind of suffer once in a while. No, this is for husband. This is for husband. This is what you do. And this is what you do when you're a single man, when you're in husband training, getting ready to be a husband. You're in husband training right now. Well, Pastor Jim, I don't even have a girlfriend. How can I be in pastor training or husband training? Because you're in husband training. Period. Because <laughs> you're going to be a husband someday. Anybody want to be a husband? If you're not going to be a husband, then go ahead and forget it. Anybody want to be a husband someday? Come on, raise your hands. Get used to me. I'm asking you questions. Raise your hand. Good. You're in husband training. I mean, if you're a single young man and you're not married, guess what? You are in husband training right now. God is, God is dealing with you. He's dealing with your sexual selfishness. He's, 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 he's trying to give you a revelation of a daughter's heart so you can have the spirit of Joseph. He's doing a lot of awesome things with you. Okay, here's what, here it is right here. You were designed by God to do what's right instead of what's easy. That's not cursing you. That's calling you up. That's saying... God believes in you. That's saying you can do it. That's not saying you're a mess, you're some mess, you're looking at rotten stuff and you're a mess. This is saying God's called you to do what's right instead of what's easy. It's in your heart. It's in the heart of every man. Married, single, grandpas, fathers. Every man, this is who you are. It's who you are. I don't care how many times you fail. It's who you are. It's what you want, or you wouldn't be here tonight. Come on. Come on. How do I become this? You bring the darkness into the light. You were designed by God to look in the mirror and see someone you respect. Your fuel is honor. God has called you to be a protector and not a predator. And I'm not saying single guys are all a bunch of sexual fiends. But I'm saying without the work of Jesus Christ in your heart to change you, to renew you, men gravitate towards sexual selfishness, even if the relationship starts out right. Come on. Come on, you know that. You were never designed by God to be bound to your lower nature. God wants to release grace to you so you can rule over your sexuality instead of your sexuality ruling over you. I got these on the table. We got bookmarks. We got big half sheets. We got it in Ukrainian. We didn't have it in Russian. We got it in Ukrainian. We got it in English. We got it in a bookmark. We got it for you. Go there and get it. <laughs> 
Hey, let's stand. We're late. We don't need the whole band. We just need one person. How's the princess doing? Who are you with? Your dad? Wow. Does he say you're a princess? Wow. There's some high-level spiritual warfare going on here. Because her heart's full. Your heart getting full? You think she's going to run off with some guy that says, hey, baby, you're looking really cute. She's not going to do that, is she? And you know what? It's going to go with her everywhere she goes because he, he put it in her by spending time. Okay, you, you got shame from I don't know what you got it from. You want to be done with it. You just, you're done. You're tired of it. You, want to just, you just want God to come. You want him to break it off. You're married. You're single. There's old stuff, old shame, new shame, stuff from 20 years ago, stuff from yesterday. There's secrets in your life. You're living secrets. You're living a church life and another life. And God wants to break it. He wants to break it off. He wants to smash it. He wants to destroy it. He wants you to begin to bring the light into the darkness. Raise your hand. Shut your eyes, everyone. Wants to do some healing. Just raise your hand. You got any kind of you got old shame, you got new shame. He wants to break the shame. He wants to break the disqualification. Right over your head, way over your head. One, two, three.